The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. We are going to start by just praying for, uh, for one of our dear friends, Charlie Moore, who has been in the hospital for some time now and uh, went in with kind of a blend of pneumonia and COVID and it looked like he was getting better, feeling better, and uh, took a turn for the worse again and has been on, on uh, oxygen. So I want to pray for Charlie together. We have been... Um, yeah, I've, I've just been messaging back and forth with Virginia. I know some of you are, are probably even closer to, to conversation with them. So uh, let's, let's pray for Charlie together. Father, we pray for Charlie Moore, our dear brother, your loved son, who's right now in the hospital. struggling for his breaths and um, unable to be with family. God, we pray that you will restore his health 100%. God, he will be able to walk out of that hospital room strong and revived. God, Charlie has such a tender heart. There have been so many times we've been able to talk together and, and he's just had tears in his eyes speaking about his love for you, his desire to make you known, um, feeling so shy, but, but in his heart just loving you so much. And I pray that you will, um, even now as he feels very weak, he will feel that incredible love, comprehensive love and care you have for him. I pray the same for Virginia as she uh, misses and loves her husband. God, we know there's so many in, in the hospital right now. And uh, pray your strength and wisdom for the staff of the hospital that, that is working hard to care for them. God, as we pray for this, we uh, ask that you'll give us the uh, openness of heart and mind and receive your truth and respond to it. God, teach us your ways so we can walk in them. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Refuge, it is good to be with you. Um, you know, I think of that uh, on Sundays, you know, sometimes we have this packed house, there's like people standing in back, and sometimes there's not as many, and it feels like kind of what, um, what Steve was saying, it's like you make this feast, right? Like you put hours into a sermon, and, um, and what I've always told um, community group leaders, you know, that have the honor sometimes of having little and sometimes a lot of people is is uh do the same thing <laughs> like like whether you have nobody or one person or 
50 people um, because the, the kingdom launched with a very motley group of a few people, right? And, um, and one thing I was challenged by, I'll say, in the, the, this last week as we get through this series on prayer, which has been mentioned, is, um, and we need to wrestle with as elders, this came out when we had our, our family meeting last week, is how do we match learning with practice and, uh, and it's something I think just the, <laughs> at least the church I'm familiar with, kind of in our culture, can be really challenged by matching learning and practice. In a, in a way, sometimes we come on Sundays to just get another bit of information. You know, it's like, man, that's interesting. It's like, uh, and it's another thought that I haven't thought about before. <laughs> and, and yet it says, and we're going to get to this later in our series on the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven isn't, isn't just about thinking, right? It's actually about power, and, and not a power that's of our own, but it's a power that's of uniquely of God. That when you long f- for and love the people in your life that don't yet know King Jesus, it actually isn't your power and influence that will ever change their life. No matter how much you long for somebody who is wrestling with hurt, addiction, whatever it is, or, or, or just feeling lost because they don't know, yet know King Jesus, right? The, the more you like, oh, want it, it actually doesn't do anything until you really start praying for that person and, and practicing the way of Jesus to invite them closer to him, right? So... As we get into the kingdom, I really want to encourage us to constantly be thinking, how do I act in a kingdom way? Not, not just do I, how do I think true thoughts about the kingdom, but how do I participate in this kingdom? That is not of this world. And, uh, and I think we'll, we'll unpack that some today in our sermon, which is the far away, near, and within kingdom. So... Here is our intro. <clears throat> you were made to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Something bigger than any job or hobby or political party or even your own family. God made you first and foremost to be a part of his family and his kingdom. God's kingdom is your ultimate allegiance. When you understand the good news of the kingdom and become a child of God, everything else finds its right and healthy place in your life. In the sermon series, we invite you to see the kingdom of God and submit yourselves completely to the life-giving authority of King Jesus. Amen. Bob, we're getting just a little hum here. I don't know. um, That sounds great, actually. Just boom, just like that. Fixed it. Um, Have you ever noticed that there are way more things that you don't know than you do know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so <laughs> it's, it's helpful to notice it because often we go through life just assuming we know more than we actually do, right? There's, um, there are things that we have, things that belong to us, things that are a natural part of our, our practice of living, and yet we're very unaware of how they actually work. Uh, for example, um, you probably feel or at least give the impression that you're an expert at your car, right? Probably most of you have, ha- have a license, right, that's, that gives you some sense of power and authority to drive the vehicle you have. But then you find out, probably many of us do, how little we know about our vehicles 
when something actually goes wrong with them, right? Every day you use this thing, and yet we are completely helpless when something goes wrong with it. We know less about our cars than more about our cars, probably, especially as, as now they're full of gadgets and gizmos aplenty, right? Like, they have these, like, computers in them that even if, like, once upon a time you could fix your car, now you're like, honestly, unless we shove something into this thing to figure out, we just, I don't know, right? So much of life is like that. There's these things that we're familiar with, and yet when it comes down to it, we know extremely little about how they actually work. We found this out in, in many ways as we moved into our new home, Hannah and I, just this last, uh, this last summer, um, we had this thermostat in our room that of course you don't care about until it gets cold. And, and we noticed that this thermostat didn't have any appearance of opening or buttons or anything. There was a button on it, but the more you pushed it, just nothing, you know, it was just more frustrating than less because just nothing happened. So it gets cold and we're like, man, there must be a remote somewhere. And, you know, after a long time, we found that there's these little wings that kind of flip out on it and there's buttons behind it. And that was not for me, like punching it, lifting it, pulling it. I just did not, this thing is mine. It is in my house. It is meant to work for me. <laughs> and yet I knew nothing about it. We have this, um, we live on a well and so we have this water purifier, but but it's like a, an added water purifier because the person didn't want any taste in the water. It looks like two huge scuba tanks. And when, when it turns on, it sounds like a helicopter is hovering above our house. <laughs> now, I don't know how to use this thing, but it, it purifies my water and it terrifies me <laughs> because I know at some point something's going to happen to this massive, very nice water purifier in my home, right? So, so much of our life is like that. We even feel that way, I think, about the kingdom of God when we really get down to it. Many of us probably feel familiar with God and would say we feel familiar with his kingdom. Yet oftentimes we also feel and know that we're missing out on what it actually is. Despite our confidence in saying, I'm a part of it, we don't actually really know how it works. We feel far from the kingdom of God. So the question we're going to tackle today is this. How close are you personally to the kingdom of God? And I'll give you the answer at the beginning. The answer is this. The distance between you and the kingdom is measured by the distance between you and Jesus. The distance between you and the kingdom of God is measured by the distance between you and Jesus. That is the distance between you and the kingdom of God. Now, as we get into the, the scripture text today, which is Luke 17. So if you have your Bibles, you can, you can turn there. I think it's all, yeah, also going to be up here. And this is a story about some Pharisees. Uh, it sort of has that once upon a time feel when it starts. Once on being asked by the Pharisees. Um, it says, when the kingdom of God would come, and, and this is an interesting thing. I want to imagine that the Pharisees are just genuine and honest in their question of Jesus. But the thing about the Pharisees is that they would see themselves as kingdom experts. They would have known the, the prophecies of the kingdom. They would have had certain observances of the kingdom. Uh, what they would see is these laws that if they do them, they're going to make themselves ready to participate fully in the kingdom. So these are are kingdom experts, and yet they're very confused. 
And I, again, I want to imagine that this question is honest that they're asking when they say, when will the kingdom come? And here is Jesus standing in front of them. These kingdom experts are confused, and they hopefully are being honest in saying, we don't really recognize we don't really recognize the kingdom. And I, I think it's the same thing we see today. When, when people, and I'm just saying people in general, and probably this happens a, a, probably most often in, in re- religious circles, right? Is that we say the kingdom is here or the kingdom is there. And oftentimes that kingdom is simply what is on my side, right? And that's, that is how the Pharisees by and large acted. Where's the kingdom? Because I don't see anything that you're saying, Jesus, that, that really is like us, like the way we have been observing the kingdom. The, the danger of the kingdom simply looking like us or being like us or just being like it's only something that I recognize is that the trouble very quickly is that God is seen, the kingdom is seen as something siding with us and being against everyone that's not like us, right? We see this a lot today. God loves me, he hates them. God's for me, he's against them. God you know, has done everything to make me a part of his kingdom, but there's these other people who I'm going to be also okay with just them being the enemy of me and God. And in that stance, the kingdom is very, very hard to see. And for these people, it was very, very hard to see. They'd had these observances, these observances, and we can say these religious habits, that were the center of their hope. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Oftentimes we have these observances that are at the center of our hope, and yet they become in themselves a bondage. That's what it became for the Pharisees. And for many of us who have religious practices, they become more of a bondage or a way that inhibits us from actually seeing and participating in the kingdom than actually freeing us to participate in the kingdom. The kingdom is far away. These Pharisees were good at kingdom stuff, right? Just as we are very good often as, at kingdom stuff. They, they went to the temple, we go to church, they gave money, probably many of us are generous with our money, but they could not recognize Jesus. Jesus was far away. And just as when Jesus came, he will come again, and the statement will be the same for many people, which is this. Jesus saying, many will say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I never knew you. Many will say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I never knew you. How is that possible? This is really sobering. How is that possible? It's because we got really good at kingdom stuff. (laughs) Things that we identified as kingdom stuff, but we did not know the king, the king when he came. So what if the kingdom feels far away from you? What if you're in a place like these Pharisees and you're simply asking that question? Asking the question, where's the kingdom? When is the kingdom? How do we see it? And and the simple answer is simply this, and this is what Jesus is offering first and foremost It's recognizing Jesus. It's just recognizing Jesus. Recognizing the king when he arrives. And that is why Jesus throughout his whole ministry, this is important, Jesus throughout his whole ministry said over and over again, 
Who do you say that I am? Who do you, who do you think I am? When you think of Jesus, who do you think Jesus is? And it's possible that you are, admire him in many ways, but he really does not have kingship in your life. It's possible that you are very familiar with the name of Jesus, the idea of a kingdom, and yet really, when the kingdom shows up, or wants to break forth, <laughs> we wouldn't recognize it just like these Pharisees didn't recognize it. It was a faraway kingdom, even when it stood right, right in front of them. So we go from this to the, the near kingdom, and this is the message in, in Matthew 3, 2 by John the Baptist. This is the message in, in John 10 from uh, the disciples that they give, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, this is a really cool uh, invitation because what it's saying is it's sort of like if someone were to walk through and, and you know, if they were to be like, the king is coming, the king is coming, you know, and you're like, what? And what that is, what that is is an invitation to prepare yourself because you probably weren't ready, right? I mean, imagine this in like an an old school, like medieval town, and they come through and like, the king is coming, the king, you know, what's, it's the, what they're saying is like, hey, you've just been going about your business, but the king's about to walk through, and I'm giving you an opportunity to pay attention, to honor the king who's coming through, right? And so, so this is an invitation, the king is coming, Jesus is coming, and the way it's given us to prepare our hearts for that is this word, repent. It's an opportunity to change. And the cool thing is about this, getting ready ourselves for the king to come, is a simply acknowledgement of you've been doing other things. Your heart hasn't been in the right place. And, and this idea of repentance is just changing course. It's an invitation to change course. The whole movement of history, really, if we're looking at it from a human perspective for ourselves, it has been a distraction from the king coming, even though God's been working towards this event when Jesus, the king himself, comes. And now he's come. The king has come. His arrival is here. All the prophets have talked about the proclamation. But this is the incredible thing about King Jesus when he comes near, is that he allows himself to go unnoticed. The king has come, but he allows himself to go unnoticed. Tozer, in the book Pursuit of God, he, it, he says this, and I love it. He's, he waits to be wanted. That's what he says of Jesus. Jesus waits to be wanted. And here the king has come, and, and, and not in this fanfare and awe, but the king stands in front of these Pharisees, and they look directly at Jesus, and they say, where is it? The king is coming. The king is coming. And he waits to be wanted. Now, the cool thing about this offer of repentance is this. Jesus offers forgiveness and acceptance. Jesus offers forgiveness and acceptance for him to move from a faraway king to a, a king that is recognized when he stands in front of you. Now, uh, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' first big sermon that he preaches, he says this incredible short sentence. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will, they will see God. 
Now, how can Jesus stand in front of you and you not see him? How can Jesus be among us and you not see him? Now, there's an incredible idea pervasive in our culture that if God is who he says he is, I would just get it. You know what I mean? Like, that's the idea. Like, well, God couldn't be that because I would totally get it. Like, I would understand if God is that amazing, if he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, if he created the world and everything in it, if he is what this whole thing is about, then just naturally I would understand. Guys, there is more that you don't know than you know. Right? You drive in your car every day and you have no idea how to fix it. Right? <laughs> you walk in your body every day, but you have no idea what's going on. Right? If I was like, explain to me. <laughs> like, just unravel your DNA in front of me, right? Like, there is, we, we walk, we live not knowing the essence of life. And yet we think that we're like, well, I don't get him, so he just isn't. Right? Well, he hasn't made himself known to me in this obvious way, and so he just doesn't deserve me to, to work at it. Right? And, and I'm not, like, that's in my heart too. It's not just in other people's hearts. I go through my life not practicing what I know will lead me in the way of Jesus because I think it should come naturally and easy. Right? You do the same thing. And then we wonder, man, why am I not seeing the power of God and the presence of God manifest in my life. Why am I not enjoying him? And it's because we just think it should just happen. <laughs> Guys, this is why our relationships suffer. I think my relationship with my kids should just be good because I'm his parent. I think my relationship with my wife should just be good because we made a covenant of marriage together. I think my job should just go because I show up and clock in at nine. I think, right... All these things that we think should just happen, but that is not the way it works. And that is the way Jesus stands in front of these people who have done religious observance after religious observance, and that they do not see God when he stands in front of them. And that is the same thing that happens. God, Jesus, waits to be wanted. And the way he makes himself available for you to finally recognize him is by way of repentance. What that is, is admitting this. Jesus, there's things that are keeping me from seeing you. Jesus, I have been a pretender. I have pretended like I am good at this thing called faith. And honestly, I am terrible at it. I don't know how to do it. I've lived my whole life as a Christian, but I, God, I honestly, if someone were to come and be like, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? I wouldn't have the faintest idea what to really tell them. I'm repenting of that, God. Show me your way. God, I, I've known about you, God, but I really haven't cared. That's, that's a way to repent. Man, God, I honestly don't care. I care about so many other things than you. God, I see you. I see what the scripture says, but I'm scared to really follow you. If I give myself fully to you, will you give yourself fully to me? I'm terrified about that, God. This is the beginning of repentance. Us being honest about what's happening rather than pretending that we are a part of a kingdom that we really don't feel, know, understand, really, really participate in any way. How do we get in that? How do we get near that kingdom? Repent. Don't keep pretending. Start repenting, which is this change of course. The Pharisees 
were so consumed with their self-importance, what we call self-righteousness, that they missed out. They were like people refusing help, like someone who's drowning, and there's a life preserver right next to them, and they're like, I'm good, like, I know how to swim. How often are we like that? What if the kingdom is near to your life? How do you access this near kingdom? Repent. That's how you do it. And the repenting, that's why we do a prayer of confession every Sunday, because the repenting does not stop. (laughs) God, you're revealing these things. You're revealing ways that your kingdom isn't taking over my life. But I want it to, man, God, I want you to see this part of my life and take it over. I want you king over that part. We cannot see Jesus often through many, many layers of personal opinions and our own subjective beliefs. That's why Jesus can stand in front of us and we don't see him. God waits to be wanted. Do you want him? Man, I think of this all the time, guys. We, um, <laughs> the times I feel like I'm getting somewhere in the kingdom, really, in a healthy way, uh, is when I am hungry to know God. Right, man. Right? That's what Jesus said. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. It's not when I'm like, I'm pretty good at this thing, right? Like I'm a pastor. People look up to me. I have nice words that I say. That's not when I feel like I'm near the kingdom, right? When I feel like I'm near the kingdom, is like, man, God, I know you, but I want to know you more. I've started to see you, but there's so much more to see. So much more to see. There is. Way more, you know, I, I've talked to so many people who've been like, yeah, I read the Bible. It's like, okay, uh, <laughs> let's keep reading. <laughs> like, like, let's, because he waits to be wanted, and he stands in front of us waiting to be wanted. Now, there's a kingdom within, and if we go back to that, <clears throat> uh, those verses in, um, in Luke 17, Luke 17, 20, this is what Jesus says. Once I'm being asked the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus said, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. And the actual translation really should be, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. And, And I think some modern translations say in your midst because it feels a little close. To say, but but everything in the Bible indicates that it really—I mean, not just the language here itself, but uh, in Greek. But but even if you look at the testimony of Scripture, the language of within you is the accurate language. Where is the kingdom? The kingdom is meant to be within you. It is a kingdom, and this is why it's so important. It is a kingdom that can be fully embraced and enjoyed whether you are slave or free, whether you have a lot of possessions or no possessions, whether you're male or female, whether you have a PhD from Harvard or have special needs, the kingdom of God being within you is for you. It doesn't have these physical, intellectual, pride limitations 
that often we make our, our, which our culture makes, that it's so wrapped up in what we have, so wrapped up in what we know, so wrapped up in appearance. Guys, if you watch, and I was, I was talking with, with Jake this week about how, you know, um, and I, I talk about this often, the, the modern model of church in, in like, in many ways, really is caught up with appearance, right? You literally, if you go to like a, a, one of these big churches and, you know, you can, I, I'm, a lot of probably great things happen at those, but there literally is um, this idea, like you're not going to see anybody that's not like in our, in our worldly estimation incredibly beautiful on the stage, right? You know, you can watch, you can watch it, right? It's just, you're going you're gonna to look at it and you're going to be like, man, unless I am 24 years old, and incredibly attractive and can afford to shop at very expensive stores, <laughs> I, I can't represent God, right? That's what you'd be led to believe. And it is a shame because when, when we are called to expect the kingdom and the coming king, in, in Isaiah 53, it says, he has no beauty or majesty that we'd be attracted to him. That is the coming king. Someone had no appearance he actually had nothing. He made himself nothing, right? He gave up everything. That is the coming of the king in the kingdom. And, and it is for everybody who is willing through way of repentance to have themselves filled by the king and the kingdom make, make you, yourself, internally, your spirit, a domain of the kingdom. That is how the kingdom advances here on earth. And so you, you might not be tracking with me or think this is at all biblical, so I'm just going to read you some scripture, okay? The kingdom is, first of all, a spiritual, not a physical kingdom. Now, now this isn't, the physical is beautiful and, and it was made to be very good. But what we learn about the coming of the kingdom is that it is, first of all, spiritual. And we hear this in the words of Jesus I read two weeks ago. John 18, 38. My kingdom is not of this world. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom, nor does perishable inherit the imperishable. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. For we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because this is a kingdom for all people that come and submit themselves to King Jesus. That is why throughout all space and time, the place the kingdom was meant to dwell was in the soul of people. And let this, like, we have to get rid of so much junk to really understand this. We are so caught up in, in <laughs> man, I mean, think about it this way, that the, the person who lived a thousand years ago in a jungle somewhere can have j- just as much the fullness of the kingdom filling them through Jesus, right? in them filling them than the person who drives a Tesla right? Just can, can binge Hulu all night, right? Can like listen to Amy Grant on their Spotify account, <laughs> right? Whatever it is, like for all the add-ons that we have made, 
The kingdom is no more available materially. We could meet in a cow pasture together and the kingdom would be just as available in our midst as we do right here in this building, right? This is, this is so important. The, the kingdom is not of this world. And so when we participate it, we're participating in something that, that isn't physical. How does that change the way we think? Well, it should change so much. It should change your spending habits. It should change the way you think about worshiping. It should change the way you think about spending your time. All these things. Why? Because Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, and that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. There is a part of us, a soul, that will last beyond death. And that is the place that God wants to dwell in your life. Listen to this. The kingdom is Christ in you. The king wants to live in you. That is the message of the kingdom. Colossians 1, 25 to 27. It says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, this mystery literally being the kingdom, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is the mystery of the kingdom? That, that Jesus hasn't come with swords and spears and shields to take over land, but he's come for you to repent and clean out your soul by the blood of the lamb, right? That he can dwell within you. That is literally the hope of the kingdom, that the king can live in you. So that whether you have a house or are homeless, whether you live in America or Timbuktu, that, that King Jesus lives in you for the time you are here on earth, however long you're given. <laughs> and then we will shed this mortal body and take on our heavenly body. Galatians 4.19, my dear children, for whom I again the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Ephesians 2.19 and 20. And in him you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Ephesians 3, 16 and 17, this beautiful prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's the hope that Christ would dwell in your hearts, that that can't be taken away. Sure, the bank could come and be like, your house is gone. But that Christ can't be taken away. And, and that's immediately what happened when those who, who understood this by the Spirit of God, man, they, they understood that Christ wanted to dwell with them, that he left, that the Spirit was coming to live in them. And then they just did these radical things. And, and people were like, man, what's the worst thing we can do to them? They're like, man, we can kill them. And they're like, that's okay, because his kingdom wasn't of this world. I'm actually going to my forever home when I die, because the king lives in me. It's not just this land. It's not just this house. It's not just this cell phone I have. It's different than that. And the ultimate hope that Jesus prays for is this, in this high priestly prayer. I have given them the glory that you gave to me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them, and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Where is the kingdom? The kingdom is within. 
I like getting different perspectives when I preach, and so I, I looked hard to find commentaries that had good things to say about Luke 17, verse 21. And there's very little to nothing out there. This is not something that is taught on a lot, not something that many people understand. And and I'm not saying like, and I'm great, I'm going to teach you the way, and that's not it. Like, we're in this together. Like, you have the Bible, I have the Bible. We're just here in Luke 17, 21 together, where Jesus says, it is not there, it is not here. The kingdom of God is meant to be within you. This is what Jesus is saying. And, And what he's doing in that is profound. We are so distracted by materialism. That's why there's this whole thing called the prosperity gospel, as if you, you, if you accept Jesus, then all of a sudden you have all these other benefits. The single benefit promised to you, if you put your faith in Jesus and the kingdom of God is within you, is this. The single benefit is this, that Christ himself will dwell in you. That's it. It's not that you're going to have more money. It's not that life will be easier. It might not be. It's not that you're going to be healed every time you're sick. It's not the case. The single benefit, the hope of ages, everything that the Old Testament says and that we anticipate ahead of us hinges on this one thing, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that is the message of the kingdom. That is the good news. Repent, be cleaned out so Christ can dwell in you. Jesus will imperfectly be found anywhere and everywhere until Christ is enthroned in your heart. (laughs) That is our simple message. And that is why Jesus is called the stumbling block. He's a stumbling block because what the, the anticipation of the Jews was and then what so many of us Christians want is for the kingdom to be something that gives us more land, prosperity, power. And we fight for it. That's what so many of our modern squabblings are about, is that I could have more, be more powerful, that my family, my people, my tribe can have more power or influence over other land, people, places, right? That's what we make it all about. And Jesus is a stumbling block because he simplifies it down to this. The kingdom of God is within you. There is a day, and this is good, this is good. There is a day that this heaven and this earth that we know will all pass away and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And that that kingdom that is within you will be the kingdom that spans over all heaven and earth. And that King Jesus Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and it will just be him in all physicality in that place because there will be physical people in that place. You'll be given a new body in that place and there'll be relationships in that place. There'll be mansions and land and food and water and all those great things in that new heaven and new earth. But right now, all of that dwells within you. And so what we do, what we long for is that day when our great hope of Christ in us will be the reality that is over heaven and earth and everything in it. So this is what I offer you guys. What is the distance between you and the kingdom? Simply the distance between you and Jesus. 
And is Jesus in you, the hope of glory, or is Jesus still far away or even near you in the capacity that you're waiting for him to do something in this physical world before you finally make your heart his home? So as we take communion today, um, I just want to invite you into that, what uh, Paul wrote, what Paul prayed for you, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Um, I want to invite you to ask of yourself these three three things. Does Jesus feel far away from me? Does he still feel like one that I'm like, man, I can't even see him. I can't even see his work in my life. Is Jesus near to you in the way that he's kind of like you're seeing who he is and you're seeing his promises, but you need to repent for Jesus to be within you? Or is Jesus within you? Have you fully committed your life to him? And then if he is within you, are you enjoying that? Or are you still trying to place your hope in something here on earth other than him? So as you take the elements, the bread, the juice, I invite you to sit with it, knowing that it is, it is his body broken for you and his blood shed for you that is the, what receives your repentance and gives you absolute forgiveness so you can have Christ in you, the hope of glory. Um, I'm going to pray, and then as we sing, I invite you to take communion. You can just kind of go, go to the back and take it from Megan and Aaron. So pray with me. Father, I pray that you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts to receive this truth. It is impossible for us to wrap our heads around this um, because so much of our hope is just that this life will be a little easier. That if we have faith, then... I won't lose my job. Or if we have faith, then my family relationship will just be a little easier. Whatever it is that we we have, that we add on to the kingdom, where the kingdom really just begins with our heart becoming your home. (laughs) We won't be, our souls won't be empty or filled by trash, but they'll be filled with Jesus. God, I pray that that by your spirit, that message, that good news of the kingdom will be our hope today. God, I pray that you will take away our distractions. I was so challenged by just our desire to look attractive or have more. And that always will keep us from the amazing promise of fulfillment of Jesus being our hope and Jesus being our king and living in our hearts. God, I pray that you will you'll just show us how empty trying to look more attractive, be more popular, have more things. I pray it'll just show us how empty that is. We desire Jesus. God, so we repent of those things and we 
We want to live from the kingdom being within, King Jesus having his home in our hearts. God, that's what we want more than anything. We pray this in his name. Amen.